And we know that's kind of how things work, don't we? Let's be honest, our lives feel kind of little sometimes, right? You know, they feel pretty small, pretty little. Even here in our own little part of the world, we talk a lot about making a difference and helping people find and follow Jesus, you know, here and in our state, in our nation. But sometimes it feels like here, where we are, in our little part of the world, is kind of small, doesn't it? Right? You know, there's people that aren't famous living here. There's not, this is not, you know, we're not in California. We're not some big place. And so you don't hear about us in the news that much, which is probably actually kind of good, to be honest with you. I'd prefer it that way. But, you know, our lives feel kind of small sometimes, don't they? But yet we can have an incredible amount of impact. Uh, this coming series, I want to do a, a series on missions and so as I was kind of starting to think about this and prepare for it and plan for it and pray over it, uh, I realized something that I, we just finished a mission series, didn't we? We spent seven weeks walking through the book of Acts and talking through the mission that Jesus laid down for the church, didn't we? We discovered in, in our series that Jesus gave us the Great Commission to go into the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. That's a mission. That's a mission series. And the reality is, is that for most of us, if not all of us, but many of us today, missions is important, right? Missions is vital. Missions is valuable to us. And so it's cool, again, just to reiterate what I said before, before offering today, that this church gives to missions. We do. We give to missions. You might not realize that this church supports a plethora. I want to get that word in there somehow today. A plethora. We support a plethora of missionaries. All around the world, and ministries that are, go- that are working. Uh, many of you give on a monthly basis to missions, but that's not it. We also give a good portion of our normal uh, weekly ties and offerings also go to support missions as well. We believe in missions here at this church. So uh, a couple people, I, I wanted just to kind of give you guys a little heads up on what we support. Uh, first of all, we support, and this is not any order, and this is not all of them, this is just a few of them. We support the Wolves, Kurt and Liz Wolf. Uh, these, they're my friends. I know them, but that's not why we support them. We support them because we believe in what they're doing. The, the Wolves, as you can see here, uh, the Wolves serve in Egypt, and they serve with a very strategic ministry that is very, very close to my heart called Live Dead. It's the Live Dead Initiative. What is the Live Dead Initiative? The Live Dead Initiative is a group of missionaries that have banded together that are going into the Arab world to plant churches and bring relief. How many of y'all know that right now, in this time of our, of, our, of our world's history, that's important, right? The church is the hope of the world. These guys are going in and they're starting churches, yes, in the Arab world, yes, where Muslims dominate, where it is difficult to be a believer. Uh, what's cool is that this Wednesday night, Kurt will be with us. Kurt is going to be in my class Wednesday. My class meets upstairs in the upper room. Uh, so we'll, we'll have men's, we'll have women's, we'll have other things we normally do. Just my class, we'll have Kurt 
uh, this great-looking guy right there with the great glasses, because they're kind of like mine. But uh, he's going to be with us this Wednesday. He's going to give us a little bit of update of what he's doing in, in the Arab world. Uh, give a chance for you to ask questions. If, you, if you're wondering what God's doing in the uh, Arab world, Kurt is on the forefront of that. He knows what's going on. It would be a great, a great chance for you to come. If you don't already come Wednesdays, uh, let this one be your first. And join me in my class or another class we have. We have lots of great classes. Uh, it's going to be a great, great, great day. So that's, that's one we support. We support Josh and April Amiot. Josh and April Amiot serve in Costa Rica. They have a ministry called Project U. What Project U does is they are, have a goal to be on 60 college campuses in Costa Rica and surrounding, community, and surrounding countries. And what their desire is, is that they go to these places and they find and they train and they resource uh, young missionaries to reach these campuses for Christ. That's a good, good purpose, isn't it? That's teaching local people how to lead and how to pastor and plant churches on college campuses. They have had amazing success so far. I've talked to Josh, and he said that they literally have kids coming from all across that small nation, coming to them and begging them to help them start a ministry on their campus. True story. It's pretty cool what God's doing there. We support Tara and Garrett Kenyon. Uh, I went to college with Tara and Garrett. Uh, they are close friends of mine. Again, this is kind of a, of a, a, a theme, not on purpose, but just I know these people, I know what they're doing, and so I'm excited about it. Uh, Garrett and Tara serve in Panama City, and they are working with underprivileged, working with abused and exploited kids in the inner city of Panama City. There is a huge population of exploited young ladies and young men in Panama. It's a huge deal right now. We don't hear about these things. Garrett and Tara are right in the midst of this, and they are working with them, and they are preaching the gospel. They have a weekly service. Uh, Their kids are getting saved. They're getting set free from the things the enemy has put on them. They're getting counseling. They're getting hope. They're getting resources, and they're getting healing right there in the heart of Panama. And what's so cool is they're planting a church among teenagers that many of them are homeless, They don't have homes. They don't have families. They water the streets. So Garrett and Tara are planting a church right among them, and they're caring for these kids. It's an amazing story. Uh, We we support Phil and Katja Zarns. Uh, Phil and Katja Zarns serve in Sweden. Sweden is one of the most unreached areas on the entire planet. There is fewer churches in that portion of, of Europe than any place else in the world, including the Arab world. There just, there just is. They're, they're there supporting and ministering and teaching people how to plant churches in, in Sweden. What a privilege we have to serve with them. We, we serve uh, Project Rescue. Project Rescue is near to my heart. Project Rescue has a very simple mission. They go and they rescue and they restore young ladies who've been sold into sexual slavery. Do you realize that around the world there are parents who sell their young daughters into slavery? I can't imagine that, how you could do that. It doesn't make sense to me, but it happens. 
So these poor young ladies have no family, they have no hope, they have nothing. And so Project Rescue literally goes into brothels and places and rescues these girls out of these brothels, takes them to their homes that they have, feeds them, clothes them, gives them a, a, a job. They, they, they help them with, re, with rest, restoration ministries. They disciple them, and then they send them out back into the world that are prepared and ready to hit the world with both feet under them. They don't have homes to go to. They don't have a place to go to because they, they've lost those things. God is working in places like this all around the world. Come on, somebody. Give us a, a child of thanksgiving for that. That's church. That is, is, is ministry. Place of hope. Hold on. Hold on, sister. Place of hope is a ministry in St. Cloud that is important and is vital. St. Ministry, uh, in, in place of hope, is, it's inner city ministry that, that, that God is doing in St. Cloud for the homeless and the hurting in St. Cloud. How many of y'all know we have people right here in our area that need help? We support Place of Hope. And this is just a small portion of who we support as a church. Missions is important. Missions is vital to our church. Missions is big. Missions is, is, is huge. We are having a big impact on the world. Us. Right here right now. When you give, that's what happens. And so that's what I want to talk about this morning a little bit, because today, I want to give today an important godly principle that will help us live big with small lives and maybe even be truly free. Because this is the deal this morning. As I was thinking about this message and praying through it, God began to work in me and minister in me. And even last week, as Dean was here, uh, Dean just called something out of me that frankly was challenging me. God is leading me to something big in my life, and I want to share that with you. So maybe today I'm being a little biased, but it's just for me. No, this is for all of us. I think God wants to, God wants to, to plant in our lives a godly, godly principle. Today we're going to focus on two passages. We're going to focus on 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 20, and Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 20, and Matthew 25, 14 through 30. With you would to today, first of all, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We pray, Lord Jesus, illuminate your word before us today. Lord, lead us to the truth. Lord, illuminate what you want to tell us this morning. Jesus, minister. Lord, use your word to challenge us today. We pray this in your name. Everyone said, amen and amen. 1 Timothy 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not be proud and trust in their money. Some of you guys can read that and say, well, that's not me. I'm not rich. Okay, I don't have it. That's not me. You know, that's the next guy. You know, that's somebody else. That's not me. Do you realize that if you make $48,000 a year combined household income, that you are among the top 1% of the richest people in the world? It's truth. You are among the top 1% of the richest people in the world. Now, again, you may say, well, yeah, that's the world, though, and that's not how it is in the United States. But the reality is, church, is that we have incredible resources right here in our home, don't we? God's blessed us immeasurably. It says here, teach those who are rich not to be proud and not trust in their money. This is a thing that God has been speaking to me on over the last few weeks i got a confession to make before you, church, that it is far too easy for me 
to trust in money and not in God. Because I know where my, I know that eventually I'm going to have food today, I'm going to have shelter, I'm going to have a car, I'm going to have all these things that I have. My money's provided those things for me. I think it's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. It's so easy for me as an American, as a person, and as me, Steve Royalty, to trust in money. When church, that is not the plan and the way God's called us to live. God's called us to live different. He says here, teach them that, but teach them that, because it is unreliable. That is enough said right there. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives all we need for our enjoyment. See, this is huge today. Not trust in money, but trust in God. See, our problem so often in our society and culture is that it's hard to trust in God, isn't it? It's difficult to trust in God. Why? Because we have enough. We have plenty. We have what we need. We have resources. We have things. We are among the top 1% of wage earners in the world. We have it. So we don't need God. And it becomes hard for us to understand that. They should be rich in doing good works. It says here, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in doing good works and generous to those in need. This passage here tells us how to be rich. It, it gives it right there. And you just say, oh, man, you sound like one of those, those faith preachers. I'm not saying that this morning because if our idea of being rich is based upon our own personal gain and our own personal uh, enjoyments and our own personal selfishness, that's not richness, this says right here. The word says richness is learning how to live like this, learning how to live generously. By doing this, they'll store up treasures as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Now, entrusted is an important word right there. And some of you guys can tell, you're like grabbing your wallet right now. Saying, oh, great. Here we go. A money message. Here, this preacher is going to talk about money. I knew it. Every time I go to church, to talk about money. You know, and so that, that's not the point here today, okay? So don't, don't, don't get that. There's a deeper spiritual issue than that here. And if you grab onto your wallet and you say, no way, man, you're not getting my wallet. I don't want your wallet. I don't make a percentage off what comes in the offerings. I don't, you know, they don't get a, give me a tip off if more comes in. That is not how it works. To be honest with you, I don't even know what you give. I don't know, and on purpose, I don't know what one person in this room gives. You could give $10,000. I honestly would have no idea. I don't want to know. That's not between me and, and you. It's between you and God. Obedience is important right here in this, in this case. And so, but, but so often we are so easily... Understanding of what that man God wants my, my life, He wants my my my, my heart. You know, I I, I don't I don't want to sin. I don't I want to walk in freedom and, and forgiveness. I mean, you know, we get that we're okay with being challenged in those areas. You bring up money, it's like, oh come on, man! Now that's not going to happen. That's enough. And you know, so if that's you today, I want to encourage you. Don't worry. I don't preach about money every single week. Uh, I, I really don't, uh, but there is a thing here that speaks about that's important. This passage in Timothy here tells me as a pastor, my responsibility is to teach you about money. So if I did not do that, I am not doing my job as a pastor. I don't answer to you, I answer to God. Okay, that's just the, that's the bottom line truth. You know, that's, that's the goal, that's the purpose here today. But this also shows me that there's, there's grasping this deep concept that points to being entrusted 
is of absolute spiritual importance. It's massive. You know Jesus talked more about money than anything else. Probably heard, heard, heard that before, haven't you? I actually fact-checked. Because you know, sometimes when you hear on the internet, it's not always true, right? Believe it or not. And, and so uh, I actually fact-checked, and it's true. Jesus spent 15% of his teaching, the 15% of the verses in the New Testament that Jesus talked, 15% are about money. 15%. That works out to being 2,350 verses that deal with money directly from the mouth of Jesus. That is more than, that is more than, uh, than heaven and hell combined. That is more than a lot of things combined. Money was important to Jesus. If you don't like teaching about money, then you probably wouldn't like to hear Jesus preach either because he talked about it a lot. Why is that? Why would Jesus talk so much about money? A thing that that seems to be so uh, um, um, carnal and so worldly and such, why would he do that? Because Jesus understood you and me better than we do. Think think of a marionette here, because Jesus understood that our wallets or our credit cards and our ability to to, to give faith and walk in faith are equally attached. There's a string that goes from our credit cards to our hands. There's a string that goes from our wallets to our hearts, isn't there? That if we can learn how to trust God with our finances, oftentimes we can learn how to trust God with everything in our lives. And also, you got to realize something, too, that it's not just about money. God has given us incredible amounts of resources. God's given you the ability to cook, not me. <laughs> Trust me. God's given you the, the ability to shake a hand, to smile. He's given you the ability to pray for someone, to the ability to have time with, for somebody. He's given you the, the ability to, to, to care for children, to teach children. He's given, given you the ability to do a lot of things. God has blessed you with time, with resource. You might say, well, man, pastor, I don't have time. You don't realize how busy I am. And believe me, I know busy. You don't realize that I don't have time. Well, pass, you know what? You have as much time as anybody else does. The question is not how much do you have. The question is how well do you use what you have? Because that is the deeper principle here in this passage. When it talks about being entrusted, back to 1 Timothy and the word entrusted. I want to go right now to Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30, and I want to talk about what Jesus talked about when he said the word entrusted. When he thought entrusted, what was he saying here? So as you turn today, Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, this is a parable. It's a message, a story Jesus told to get across the point. This parable that we're going to read today is famous, it's well-known, it's common, it is loaded with truth. You could preach on this for so long. There's so many angles here of truth here in this passage. And so the setting, this parable, is one of Jesus' final teachings. He was teaching this to his disciples. And so that's an important important thing right here. We've got to look at the context of where he's going with this. In this context of his teaching, this package of teaching, he talks about end times. He talks about his return. He talks about final judgments. So those are what we find in this package of teaching. And within that comes this parable. Now that's an important thing to get here today. 
that when we're talking about end, what's important about, the, the, about judgment, about what's going to be, what's going to matter, comes this parable. Verse 14, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. So in other words, uh, you know, when God is king and things are working as God called them to be, how is that illustrated? Well, this is one of those ways. By the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted, there's that word, entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. There's two players here. There is God, who is the boss, and there is the servants, who is us. We're one of those three servants. And what God is doing right here is God is entrusting a, a, a measure of money to these servants. What's happening here is he is not giving this money. See, I got a credit card. I don't have any cash. So I got to use a credit card, which is actually more powerful than cash. Uh, but uh, I've got a credit card here this morning. Now, now I, can, I have two options with this credit card. I could go up to Dan right here and say, Dan, here you go, man. I'm giving you my credit card. No strings attached. You know, do what you want to do. You better stay, not, not go anyplace. But, uh, you know, do it because this is an illustration. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm giving that card to him. I'm saying, Dan, the, the, the card's no longer in my possession. Now it's in your possession. Do with it as you would please. That's giving. Now give it back because we're not doing that this morning. Give me that thing. See, that's giving. But that's not what this passage says here, is it? This passage says that the boss entrusted his resources to these three servants. Giving versus entrusting are two very different things. Because let's say I leave for a time, and I am, I'm walking out, and I'm leaving for a few months, and my family is still here, and we are not into this, this day and age. We don't have modern conveniences. I'm a businessman. Business has to continue. We don't have communication, and business has to go on. I need my business and my family taken care of like I would want them taken care of. See, I'm not giving my card to, to that to a person. I am entrusting them. I don't trust you, but I do trust Pastor Joe over here. And so if I am entrusting, well, not that much, but no, if I'm entrusting, if I'm entrusting this to him, I'm saying, Pastor Joe, here's my card. It's not yours, okay? What I need you to do, because I trust you to do what I would do, I need you to take care of my family, I need you to take care of my business. I need you to take care of what I would do. You are, in essence, me as I'm gone. You have my signet ring. You have my authority. You have my finances. It's all at your disposal. It's all there for you to use. Do with it as I would do with it. See, that, church, is what this is talking about this morning. This is not talking about giving. It's talking about entrusting. Now, here's the principle here in this, in this passage. And you know where I'm going this morning. That's what God's done with us. You've got to realize today, when you became a believer, <laughs> you became a Christian, you know what you did? You signed your life over to God. You gave him everything. 
You gave him your time, you gave him your talents, you gave him your resources, you gave him everything. That also includes your finances. It includes your time. It includes your, 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 your talents. It includes the things God's given you. All of those resources put in a big pile. You said, God, here you go. It's all yours. What's confusing about that is they're still in our hands, aren't they? What's confusing is that we still have them. What's confusing is we're still responsible for our lives. But here's the deal this morning. If we can learn what it means to do and walk like this, we will learn what it means to walk in freedom from the garbage of the world wants to lay upon us. You see, this is the deal this morning, is that being things being entrusted to us is absolutely good news for us. When the servant acted on the behalf of the master, the servant had the master's resources at their fingertips. Now, there was a word for this servant. This servant was called a steward. That's what the servant did. They were, they were a steward, so which we have the word stewardship. We had the word stewardship. Here's the truth this morning. The truth is we don't own what we have. We are managers or we are stewards. Now, here's the sneaky truth about this is that if you've been a believer for much time in your life, you could recite that to me. You, you know that. You're like, ah, big deal. I know that. Well, what holds us back? What holds us back from actually living like this is a guiding principle in our lives? Because i got to be honest with you. God dealt with me, and God convicted me, and God challenged me because I know this, but I don't live like this. I understand this principle. It's in my mind, but it's not in my heart. Does that make sense this morning? Jesus understood that when he talked about money so much because he knew that what is directly correlated to our wallets is our hearts. And if, our, if he can get us to understand that, that he is Lord of everything, including our money, then he can be Lord of everything. See, that's good news in that church because how many of you believe and know this morning when God has control, there's blessing, Right? Let's read on. Verse 16. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant who received two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag dug a hole in the grounds and hid the master's money. First glance is that's not fair, right? That's our, our first glance reaction. Not fair. Why would five guys get, get five? And why would one guy get one? I feel so bad for one guy. He's probably a good guy. Why would, he, why would that be, be the case? Well, the reality this morning is this, is the master understood each of, their, each, each of their capacity to live and do things as he would do them. When that master handed them these bags of, of silver, he handed them something of incredible and unbelievable, un, re, remarkable value. Do you think the master, do you think I would hand my card and say, I need my family, who is more important to me than anything, I, if I need them taken care of, if I need them cared for, my card is going to somebody who I trust with everything. Nobody else. I'm sorry, but my family means a lot to me. And you do the same thing too, wouldn't you? You do the exact same thing. The reason this morning this, 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 the scripture says this is because it's a, it is an issue of, of trust. It's an issue of competency, of capacity. Be trusted with doing the right thing with the master's resources. Think about how little or how much you have in your wallet this morning. That's not yours. 
He said, that, hey, preacher, that's pretty mean. Or that's, I disagree. Or I, well, you can have all those things you want, but it, not, I'm not telling you that this is my idea. Trust me, if this was my idea, it'd be different. Okay? If this is my idea, that's not how it works. I want what I have. But the truth this morning is this, that God has given it all to us. And we are not masters, we are stewards. And there's blessing in living like that. If you want to grow what you have, you need to first grow who you are. If you want to grow what you have, you need to begin to grow your capacity to be trusted with what God has given you. The truth is that all of these three people had a measure of blessing. They had a measure of the master's money. We all have a measure of the master's money. We have a measure of the master's time, the master's resources. All of us do. I don't care who you are. You have a measure. Some have more. Some have less. Some have a lot. Some have little. Some have, but all have something. You want to grow that? Be obedient and understand the master's heart. That's worth the price of mission right there today. Be obedient and understand the master's heart. Matthew 6.33 gives us a clear definition of this. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. That scripture right there is a stewardship scripture. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Do what he would want you to do. Do you know why we support missions? Do you know why we give money as a church to missions? Not just because it's just a nice thing to do. Because we believe in Christ's mission. Because that's important to us. You think it's easy to write checks out to missionaries when we don't have it as a church? No. But we do what's right no matter what. Right? We do what's right. In this case right here, God's speaking to us about this. Seek first his kingdom, and all of these things you need will be added unto you. I have a, illustrate, I have a financial manager. Uh, it's my brother-in-law, who I know well. I, he's that way because I know if he cheats me, he's got to see me at Thanksgiving this year. So I got to, you know, I'll take, take him out. But, but no, I have a financial manager, and he has goals, and I have goals. Now, our goals are not the same. I have a goal to retire someday because I my, and my wife want to retire so we can go and, and travel the world and travel around and be a blessing to churches and communities that can't afford that or whatever else. It's deep in my heart. It has been since the beginning. It's important to me. That's a goal that I have. My financial manager has different goals than I have. Now, I have entrusted to him a large sum of my money that I've saved since I, was thir- since I was like 16 or 17 years old. I've been saving. Now, when I was 16, I saved not much, but I had a little bit. And then I started a little more and a little more through college. I've been saving uh, college students or young people. Let this be a lesson to you. Start saving now, not someday, so you can have a greater capacity to give and to be a blessing. Thankfully, someone got that in my head when I was a kid. I don't know how, because I was a knucklehead, but, but they did, so I have a measure of money. My financial manager's goals are different from mine. What if that guy takes my money and goes out and fulfills his goals? What if he takes that money and says, you know what, Steve, this is your money, whatever, but it's in my care right now. I'm doing with this what I want. We call him Bernie Madoff, Right? Or we call him, call him a fraud because that's what he would be. The reality is, is that that's what God has called you and I to do as well. We are to do things like he wants them. We have, what we have is not ours. We're stewards. 
What we have is not ours. Our time, our talents, our resources, they're not ours. They're his. And we live with closed hands, closed around the things God's given us. We're going to find ourselves much more like one-talent guy than five-talent guy or three-talent guy. Let's read on and find out what happened this morning. Starting in verse number 19, after a long time, the master returned from his trip and called account of how they'd used his money. The master to whom he had been trusted, the five bags of silver, came forward with five more and said, Master, give me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. I've been faithful in small things. Now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Two talent guys, same story, same exact thing. Same thing. But then one talent guy, verse 24. But then the servant who had the one bag came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not cultivate. This is important. You know what? One talent guy didn't know the master's heart. He did not understand what was important to the master. Does that sound like God? Is he a harsh and cruel God? Does he steal? Does he, does he plunder things? No, he doesn't do that. See, this guy didn't know the master's heart, so that's what drove him to hold on to what he had so tightly. He didn't know God's heart. I was afraid I'd lose your money. He missed that as well. He lived in fear, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here it, here it is back. The master replied with one of the most sad stories in the, in the scriptures. You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew how to harvest the crops and in plants, I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But to those who do nothing, or even what little they have, will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. That's heavy, deep stuff there, isn't it? See, God's called us now, God's called us today to understand his heart for, for stewardship. What you have is not yours. What you have is his. When you learn to live like that and say, God, what do you want me to do with what you have given me? How do you want me to bless others with what you've given me? Lord, how do you want me to operate and live as a steward, not as an owner, but Lord, how do you want me to do this? That's when we find life begins to change for us because we've learned the principle that God is in control of it all anyway. There's four quick lessons I want to share with you about one talent guy. First one, failures. First one, we fail when we do nothing. How many of you would love to have a check for a million dollars come in your bank sometime? Right, who, anybody would love, like, like that? Anybody dream about that sometimes? I'll be honest with you. I do. I dream about it. I, I think, oh, man, if I had this, if I had 10 million bucks, I'd buy a new Ford truck, not a Chevy, a Ford, you know, because that's what God loves. But, um, you know, if I had a... Um, you know, if I, had a, if I had 10 million bucks, I would do this, I'd do this. And you know what's funny is inevitably I always come to church. And I always say, oh, if I had 10 million bucks, I'd pay the building off. I would do this, I would do that. And, and one day, a, a pastor friend of mine was having lunch with his, a person in his church, and they had this conversation. They're joking around, you know, what would you do if you had 10 million bucks? And, and the guy said, man, if I had $10 million, I'd write a check to the church for, 10, for, for a million bucks right there. And the pastor, who, who knew him well, said, baloney, you, you wouldn't. 
And the guy looks back and said, well, what are you talking about? He goes, you can't rent a check out for $100 right now. How are you going to rent a check for $10 million? You know, what, what's going to happen? You know, if you don't do it now, you'll not do it then. We fail when we do nothing. Jesus told the story because he understands the heart of people. When we live and move and operate and give and, 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 and do our lives like he wants them to be done, then we are find ourselves blessed. We're not waiting for another time. We do it now, when now is the time so that we can be grown and we can be challenged and given more as we're more trustworthy. Number two, we fail we decide that easier is better. That's part of the problem, wasn't it, for the, for the wicked servant? He was wicked and lazy. That's, that sometimes is, is, is my thing. I, 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 I like hard things. I love hard stuff, except for in the area of money. I don't like to be challenged with my money. I just don't. I'm not telling this today because I want to be important. Your point, I'm being honest with you today. I don't like that. But I understand today that God is trying to speak into me that, man, when it comes to doing things God's way, easier is not better, harder is often better. When it comes to supporting God's purposes, we're often tippers rather than stewards. We give God a few bucks in the plates. It's all God, thanks for the help, you know, and this is kind of nice. And Lord, this is a nice service today. Here's five bucks, and you're, you're great. You know, so we're tipping him rather than stewarding what he's given us to operate and live like he would have called us to live. That's a wrong ideal. Number three, we fail and we give in to fear. We need to consider today as we continue and close here, if I use God's money for God's purpose, don't you think God will take care of me with the rest of what he's given me? It's pretty simple, right? It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty cut and dry. Fear can become a reason not to act. Don't let it. And lastly, we fail when we fail to be kingdom-minded. Seek first speaks of the kingdom. When we're kingdom-minded people, we start to understand the Father's heart for how we give and how we live and how we operate and how we move. And when your life, when your decisions, when your finances, when your time, when your talents, when your resources, when your weekends, when everything that you have revolves around living out God's purposes, you will find your life so much greater. Why? Because you were created to live like that. We have so much that we can be thankful for. That God has richly given to us and blessed us. This morning, I want to, I'm going to call this church to something that is extraordinary today. As, as we were thinking about this and praying through this series and this thing, there's one thing that we that we really want to try to do as a church. The last Sunday of this month, October 25th, is the last week of this series. It's the last week when we're really focusing on missions as a church. And so we thought about this. How cool would it be is if we could, as a church, band together and do what this lady Ellie did and give something up for the cause of Christ and the cause of missions. And it's it's not about, and if today if you're here and you're like, oh, no, 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 I don't, you know what? God loves a cheerful giver. And so if you say, well, I'm just not doing that, don't worry about it, okay? This is not for you. You say, oh, you know, don't, don't worry about it this morning. But I believe God's challenging some of our hearts. And the cool thing is, is we're not going to use this offering to go to anything here at our church. Do we need the money? Yes, we, we really do. We, we do. I'll be honest with you. But you know what? We're not doing it for us. 
We're not doing it to get a better building or pay more stuff off or whatever else. We're going to do this. We're going to practice the, the, the idea of, of giving as a church, and we're going to live with an open hands. And I'm trusting that God will give us a great offering at the end of the month, and we're going to give it all away to missions. Every single last penny is going to go to support missionaries. It's going to go support those we already serve. It's going to go support missions we don't serve yet, but I'm trusting that we're going to do. So this is what I'm asking us to do. I'm asking you to take this next few weeks and pray and say, God, what do I have in my house that I can give and sell and bring to that offering? What do I have? Uh, a few weeks ago, God gave Lisa and I a couch, dropped, us, dropped it right into our, 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 um, our, our laps. And, and uh, it was cool because I had this couch, and I was like, oh, I was so excited. It was a nice couch. I'm gonna, I was like, I'm going to sell it, and then, you know, Use that money to pay some debt off. I was pretty excited about that. And then we got the couch, cleaned it up, sold it on Craigslist. And the very next day, uh, God called me to give a, a sum of money to, some, to someone that was that amount of money he got for the couch. And I was a little bit mad. I was like, God, I'm trying to, sell, I'm trying to pay debt off here. You know, and I knew what he was doing. Oh, I just knew it. And so, you know, he, he was challenging me to give this. And it was hard, man. It was tough. And I went down to the bank and I pulled that cash out to do that. I'm telling you what, I didn't want to. But I knew what God called me to do. That's what I'm calling us to do as a church. Will you join with me? On the, the last month, the last week of this month, I'm going to call us to doing a miracle offering that's going to go to support and give to missions. I'm trusting for a large amount of money. And I'm trusting that God's going to bless us richly when we learn to give. So that's coming on October 25th. We pray and we ask, even like right now, let's, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Let's ask Jesus this morning, God, I pray that you would use this gift that we're going to trust you for at the end of this month to be a blessing to this world. Lord, our hearts are like, are, are what, what we want is what you want, Jesus. We want people to, be, to find you, Jesus. We want people to follow you, Lord God. We want people to find freedom that you bring. Lord, we will empty our lives for that case to happen. Jesus, I pray that you would minister and challenge us, Jesus. Do this. That's number one. Number two today is in your bulletins you have a faith promise card. It looks just like this right here. If it's in your bulletins, please pull those out if you would. Everybody pull them out, except the house. I stole theirs, but uh, that's, this is theirs. But everyone else pull these out today, if you would. This is a, a missions faith promise card. Again, monthly, we support missions. We are able to make decisions on missionaries based on your faith promises. Now, yes, again, we give over and above those amounts to support missionaries. We just do. Uh, but if we give, if the church can give to missions more, we can give more. We can bless more ministries. And so what I want you to do, and if you're ready today, you can take this card out, fill it out. You can bring it. Uh, you, can, you can give it to me or, or whatever else. Or you can place it someplace. But I'm not asking you to do that today. If you want to, you, you can. What I want us to do is I want us on that Sunday, uh, October 25th, I want you to come ready for what God wants to do through you to support missions. You may be here this morning, you may say, well, I don't give to missions at all. I never have before. I'm not asking you to to jump in and say, man, I'm going to give $10,000. It's not a realistic goal. 
I want you to say, God, I can give something to support missions, right? Maybe it's $5 a month. Maybe it's 10 bucks a month. Maybe, it's, maybe for you it's $100. I don't know what it might be for you. $1,000, whatever. I don't know. I'm not saying any of those things to say this is what you have to give. But will you jump on board with us to helping us reach around the world and make a blessing to people like those girls that we are being rescued in places like China and Africa and Asia that are these ministries support. Will you join with us and help them be their hands and feet to go in those places and rescue people for Jesus? That's what this is all about. Your mission's might doesn't stay here. It doesn't come here. It doesn't, it doesn't really do anything here in our church at all. It's going to be a blessing. And you know what? That's what I love about it. So I want you to, and I want to encourage you to pick that up and say, God, what would you have us to do? Why don't you stand across this room right now? All across this room. I've given you two challenges this morning. A challenge to give in an offering, a miracle offering that we're going to use to not stay here, but to go out and be a blessing in the world. Number one, that's number one. What do you have to sell? What do you have to give? Whatever it might be. My girls are going to sell toys <laughs> on Craigslist because our girls are going to do this too. What do you have to give? What can you give to, to do this? That's, that's, that's challenge one. Number two, what can you do monthly to be a blessing to missionaries? But heads bowed, eyes closed. We're looking around this morning. Church, this is not a call to you today. If you say, if you're, if, if you have, if you're angry, if you're frustrated with talking about money, if that's you today, then I don't worry about giving. This is for those that say, man, pastor, my heart has been challenged. My heart has been challenged today. God has challenged me, and we're going to give. We are going to live as stewards, not as, not as owners. We're going to live as stewards, and we're going to live with, with hands open. We're going to live giving and saying, God, who can do more with the rest than I can do with all of it? Jesus, today we give you praise. Lord, we give you glory. Lord, we